Welcome to the Business Extra. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, the National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is Kelsey Warner, co-host and the National's Feature Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. So today we're talking about four-day work week. Yes. And it's becoming a reality. Inshallah. So earlier this year, the UAE announced a four and a half day work week, becoming the first government in the world to actually mandate for its public sector workers that this would be a thing. But elsewhere around the world, there's been pilots all over the place. And um, the leading organization really on these pilot projects to test if this will become an actual reality and a fixed use case in our societies is four day week global. And they're running a massive pilot project in the UK right now with 70 companies, over 3,300 workers. Um, So I'm excited to be talking about this today. So when the UAE announced the uh, four and a half day work week for the public sector, um, Sharjah actually went to a four day work week. So we have that sort of live uh, example ongoing. Um, All of that was to do with, which we've discussed before on the Business Extra, uh, the weekend change this year, which now our weekends are Saturday, Sunday to Mm -hmm. be more harmonized with with much of the world. Um, so everything is changing. Um, and the four-day work week is, is quite a, a trend and a lot of people advocate it. So we're going to talk to um, a couple of people that are actually on the ground dealing with four-day work week. We have Charlotte Lockhart um, and Andrew Barnes, who are both involved with four-day week global. We're going to talk to them in a sec. Before we do that, let me ask you to subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, uh, hit that bell. So um, as I mentioned, Uh, With us is Charlotte Lockhart, who's a managing director and founder of the Four Day Week Global, and Andrew Barnes, who founded New Zealand's largest corporate estate planning company, Perpetual Guardian. But he also ran perhaps the first ever Four Day Work Week pilot about five or six years ago in New Zealand. Um, Charlotte and Andrew, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Great to be here, Mr. Pleasure. So just just to step back a bit, um, Charlotte, uh, maybe I'll go to you first. how did we get to this point where we're trialing live pilots for the four-day work week? What's the journey been to this point? Well, after our successful pilot in Perpetual Guardian, when Andrew and I travelled, we uh, found that we were having increasingly large number of conversations with governments and uh, worker representatives and companies, academics, a whole pile of people who uh, were very interested and what this meant from from their perspective. Uh, And we spent a lot of time coaching individual businesses and giving them advice. And it became clear that the numbers were getting out of control. Uh, But also, part of the feedback that we got from businesses is that when when we helped them go along this way, it was was kind of a bit of a lonely journey. Uh, They didn't have enough people to talk to. So we decided that to run the group programs to be able to have volume, but then also to provide that that community. But as well, what that has allowed us to do is we have a global research project that goes alongside all of these pilots that we run, and they're in Ireland, the UK, the US, Australasia, and soon to be Europe. Um, And that way we can actually get some valid data around the benefits and what you know what are the you know what is the the true experience in an empirical way? So that helps businesses, but also helps governments and and others who are interested. I want to dig into how you measure and what you're looking at when you're talking about measuring performance at the four day week. But Andrew, if you can give us a bit more background on when you were 
your CEO of Perpetual Guardian, you have this light bulb moment in 2018. I want to move my workforce to a four day week. What is your what did your team look like? What were you looking to measure at that moment? And and what have you learned in the last four years since you ran that initial pilot? Well, embarrassingly, where I came from was was just simply about how do I make productivity better in my company? And I was trying to work out what was happening that stopped people being as productive as they might be. And there was some interesting research that said people were only productive for about three hours a day. So I thought, is that happening in my company? Let's try um, a program where I, if I ask people to work smarter rather than longer, to stop doing the things that is just busyness and focus on output, what would actually happen? And, and obviously what happened is that productivity went up. But then at the same time, stress levels dropped and more people said they were better able to do their job working four days rather than five. And we were lucky enough to, at the same time as we were trialing this, we brought in researchers from Auckland University and Auckland University of Technology who actually looked at the varying variables, the qualitative and quantitative data that was coming off the trial. So at the end of the period, we found that engagement scores, for example, in the company had gone up 40%. And we found that we were getting all of these massive benefits, but at the same time, productivity had actually gone up about 20%. Can you talk a bit more about what made your workplace, maybe how it lended itself to adapting to this change and maybe workplaces that are not so well suited to changing that timing window? Well, I think this is one of the the, the misconceptions about the four-day week. What you're really talking about is how do you stop people doing things that they shouldn't do? Now, that occurs in every single organisation. It occurs in manufacturing. It occurs in hospitality. It occurs in bog standard office um, companies. Now, my business happened to be office based, but we had call centers, we had retail outlets. So we had lots of different things. All we said to people is, what is it you're going to do differently? The reality is somewhere around the world in almost every single sector, you will find that there is a company doing the four day week, doing it with better outcomes, not just for the employees, but for the business. So it isn't specific just to office space. Two names at random, Volkswagen manufacture cars on a four-day week. Panasonic do electronics. Charlotte, maybe I can pick up on what you said about the the companies needing support and needing to talk to people because it it, it kind of jumps from what Andrew's saying is if if people assume that this only works for one sector or only works for one company, then they'll be more resistant to trying it out. And also, when you bring more companies together, like you're doing in the UK at the moment now, some some 70 companies, does it also help you come up with better solutions? Because four-day work week is sort of the principal starting point, but there may be a better solution, which might be flexible hours over seven days, for example, or or, or, or shorter hours over five. I mean, so I'm wondering, is that why the group pilots work best? Well, and, and certainly just to your point, we actually advocate for reduced hour working. We call ourselves four-day week because that's what people understand. But, you know, closing your office for a whole day 
isn't practical for a lot of businesses. And so there is much more of a trend now towards reduced hour working in some sort of flexible way. And in fact, Perpetual Guardian, that's what they do. They have a combination of remote flexible and reduced hours so that people are having the right sort of time off that suits the business and those people. But, um, but you know, one of the beauties around how to make your reduced workplace, reduced our workplace efficient is to actually hand over to your people to let them find the ways to make their teams and their and their job roles more efficient. And when you add in the fact that we, we create a, a, a community for people to, to share and learn ideas from, then we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to look for different solutions that other people might try and think, oh, I, I like that idea. Let's give that a go in our business. And it, it just gives leaders um, a community to be part of and it gives all the staff that are underneath them another community to be part of to share ideas. So you've done pilots now all over the world and I want to ask you, um, what have the outcomes been? What have, you, what have you found and what are you currently finding in the UK pilot that's currently underway? So the UK pilot has only been underway since the beginning of June. So we, we, we have a sort of a two-month lead-in time, get people ready, and then we run it. So it's not been work going for very long, but we've got some initial results out of our US pilot that uh, started in April, and the numbers are looking pretty good. So, um, and, and certainly validating everything that, that we expect it to, to validate. One of the interesting things that um, we do when we when we run pilots in the different places is the research is run locally so that we can ensure that the researchers are measuring the things that are relevant to that culture um, and that and that region or country. So for example, when we do one in the Middle East and particularly Dubai, then we need to make sure that that, that what's being what's being looked at, what's being measured is is appropriate in Dubai and that the, 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 the outcomes are the ones that people you know that what we're measuring are the outcomes that people want to see an answer to. And I think it's it's worth noting that whilst the big pilots you know are still working through and the research uh, independent research results aren't out yet, there is anecdotal evidence from hundreds of companies that we've engaged with. We, we believe we've engaged with over 10,000 businesses in one form or another around the world on this. And if you approach each of those companies, you will find, I think, almost universally, they have all got improvements in productivity, but material improvements in work-life balance. Mm, mm. You know, and there's just so many different reasons why companies do the four-day week or reduce work hours. But all most of the companies that are doing it at the moment, of course, are early adopters. They are the ones that go, yeah, I, I want that. Um, I can either see how we might be able to make it work or I'm prepared to put some effort into to getting to that point. And running a pilot is about establishing how you reduce work time in your business. It's not about actually doing it. Well, you do it, but you're practicing it so that therefore when you get to the end of the pilot, you've developed a way of reducing work time that's good for your business. Um, but as we progress, the companies that are coming on more and more are, are not so early adopters. They're the ones that are that are, that where where they perceive that it's a little bit harder 
And that's the fun bit that we're working on now is, is helping getting those companies across the line. So how do you handle when you come across uh, individuals who are either bad managers or who are not, I don't want to use the word workaholic, but who kind of really believe in this kind of, you know, work, work, work. The mentality. rise and grind culture. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Well, well uh, there are always going to be people like that. Actually, I think luckily enough, now you have um, other uh, influences on the business world, and, and not least of which is the great resignation. So suddenly you may well have organizations where the leadership has said, oh, you know, I don't care about this. But then they're finding that it's very hard to attract and retain high quality staff. And what they're then seeing is that companies that are adopting rather more progressive views about how people work and where people work are actually gaining the talent. So suddenly this isn't just about what your opinion is. It's about what the opinion of the workforce is. And I think we've got a rebalancing at the moment. And the power is shifting, it may not be for good, but at the moment, power is shifting away from the employer to the employee. And especially the millennial generation are saying, we are not prepared to work the way our parents did. And so that is starting, I think, increasingly. Mm. That's the message that we're starting to hear. Company after company, some very large companies coming forward and going, we now have a problem. How are we going to fix it? And so I think, you know, it's not the train we expected to come down the track, but you've got two choices. You either get on it or run down the track after it. And I think that's basically what's happening now. Yeah, I mean, so we're in a rebalancing, the great resignation. There's all sorts of buzzwords over what moment we're in right now. And it does feel like the employee has an almost unprecedented amount of power at the negotiating table these days. How long do you kind of, how, how long do you guys expect for this to last? And how are you capitalizing on, on this moment? Well, I mean, I, I think it'll last, I think it will last for quite some time um, as we rebalance our economies through the way that that things are going ahead for ourselves at the moment. But I think we've fundamentally changed the way we think about work as well. Prior to the pandemic, we used to have people, you know, we had a number of large companies that were, you know, engaging with us and they all had future of work projects and, and it mostly sort of was around flexible and remote. Um, and then in, in, in a few of them were engaging in the whole reduced our work week. But um, but now, with the pandemic, we kind of solved the flexible and remote question and, and all of the conversation is about how do we keep great talent. But I think also, as a society, we have rebalanced our thinking in terms of how we value our own health and our families. And we're actually quite liking who we are as part of that. And so this is about how we, how we rebalance society. And, and the young ones, the millennials that, that Andrew um, has, talks about, they want to work differently and we should want that for them because isn't that the better that every parent wants for their child? You know, we've, we've, we've gone through human endeavour takes us to better food, better housing, better education. But at the moment, we're at a point in, in the developed world where it's just more. So actually, do we just don't want better time? 
it's the one thing that we can all spend on the things that are most important to us. It's a great attitude and it, it kind of speaks to the idea of generosity, but when when crises happen upon crises, as we, we're seeing now, whether it's cost of living crisis or otherwise, then management and and company owners tend to to kind of grab for what they're familiar with, and they tend to get stressed. So, I mean, I kind of from your point of view, yes, we had the pandemic, which, as you said, has had a really big impact. But as we kind of roll through seemingly one difficult period after another, do you see this being kind of continuing this trend where we look for for better solutions or or could we could we revert well i think the reality is we have to ask ourselves why we do the five day week and the five day week is purely a force of habit um, and it was designed effectively for repetitive manufacturing industry in the 1920s and 30s i struggle to see its relevance for the 21st century and i think as a consequence what we're now seeing remember i came from the the perspective of saying, how do I make my business more productive? And actually finding a better way to work made my business more productive. It also made it more resilient. And when we went into lockdown in New Zealand, all but 200,000 people in the country, employees, were either being paid directly by the government, you know, government workers, or were being paid further payments. We didn't take a cent. And we missed a record profit three months in a row by $27,000. So what this says is my organization adopting a more progressive way of working was not just more productive, it was more resilient, it was more flexible, it was a better business. Now, as a business leader, we all need to do that. And so actually, this is about making your business better. It's not just changing and it's not just pandering to you know, the latest fad in human resources. This is about building better companies. And I think your point earlier on, you know, what, what do you do about bad managers? Well, my question to you is, what are you doing about them now? <laughs> the four-day week doesn't, doesn't or reducing work time, doesn't make those people bad managers. They're already bad managers in your business now. This might just highlight that they're bad managers and you might want to do something about that. But uh, if you've got bad managers in, in your business, that's just the way get it new, is. Get new managers. Get new managers. I'm wondering, so, okay, so reduced working hours does fit into the menu of options we have here in 2022, which include remote work, increased flexibility, sort of these other other options among HR professionals to, to utilize. But um, I think what's missing from the conversation a lot of times is uh, social cohesion and connection and what millennials and Gen Z are really missing in this conversation and in our insistence to just work from our laptops, from our apartments, is that access to the office where you gain mentorship, you gain, you know, I think you in increase your skills, you increase your people skills. There's just um, a lot we leave on the table, I think, when we insist upon just staying home or just having access to flexibility. And, and, to, and to be clear, you know, the, the reduced hours working is, it's not an alternate, if you will, to- It's not one or the other. Yeah, to, to home working. What we're talking about is we're talking about reducing the time that you spend working. Mm. Now, remember, if you're only productive for three hours a day, that's where I came in, um, there's five hours a day when you're actually in the office or at work that you're not actually necessarily being 
productive, you've got bags of time for socialization. So it's not all about, you know, head down, working in a mm. silent environment. So I wonder, if, because you have a research component, how do you measure? Are you measuring affinity? Are you measuring teamwork? Are you measuring mm-hmm. connection? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I mean, so at its core, what our program is, is getting you to work with your people to establish what productivity truly means for your business and how you can reduce time. But you can use that same principle to your point around, so how much of that time is going to be in the office? How much of that time are we going to use to, you know, with some of these other problems that we're trying to solve? And we're not necessarily saying everything should be remote. It's quite interesting because um, Tim Cook from Apple last summer said to his people, hey, guys, you know, we're all good. When we go back to work, um, we're going to go back to work three days a week and, and you'll work from home two days a week. And his people said no. And the reason why they said no is they wanted to be asked. Now, If he'd said that back in 2019, people probably would have thought he was a genius. But but post-pandemic, your people require, and this is why the the great resignation is is so strong, they expect to be consulted. But but if you do, the gold that's in it for your business. So one, one of the things that we did find, certainly in our own research, when we wrote in Perpetual Guardian, but was seeing it, coming through and both anecdotally and, and preliminary in the, in the research from the pilots is that actually teamwork, uh, corporate cohesion, those sort of scores go through the roof with this because what you've got to do is you've got to work out how you handle customers, how you handle business when somebody is out of the office. Now that means by definition, you've got to have it backfilled. You've got to understand somebody else's job and be capable of doing it. You equally have to understand that it's not just about how you do your job more efficiently. It's how you stop wasting somebody else's time. This is the the plague of the unnecessary meeting that goes on for too long. And so if you can stop doing that, you're not just valuing your time, you're valuing your colleagues' time And you're finding ways to work together stronger and better. And actually, that's all the things that we're talking about here to create that environment where there's better cross-training, better upskilling, and more investment in people in the organisation. People often describe it as being the best team-building exercise they ever did. Last question. Do you all work four days? Yeah. We, well, we, <laughs> we don't work. We we don't work a 40-hour work week we, when we, we haven't for quite some time. So we uh, we would work less than 20 hours a week. It'd be a hell of a sight shorter if we weren't having to spend all our time talking, talking about, about the four days. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd only get one chance to change, to change the world. It happens to be us. Andrew Barnes, Charlotte Lockhart, thank you so much. Our pleasure. Looking forward to hearing it. That's all we've got time for today. Kelsey Warner, thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for being with us. All that remains to thank our production team. See you next time.